podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to the Whistleblowers Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Smith. I'm here as ever with Gareth Dobson. Now, normally, Big Daddy Grits is with us, Martin Grisson, but he's... Uh, He's, I think he's abroad, isn't he, Gareth? I don't know, really know where he is. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah, he's away. And obviously now, post, uh, post-Brexit, post he can't afford the data on his phone to call in. <laughs> is that a genuine reason? I mean, uh, it's a it, good reason. He actually is in some ways, yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Well, good on him for letting us know in, in plenty of time. Not just <laughs> stranding us, just me and you. But actually, wait, wait, wait there, Gareth, because what's that? From out of the shadows... Comes a hero, someone to step in last minute. It's only Stuart Bloody Laws. Stuart Laws, Spurs fan, comedian, all round excellent guy. Uh, Stuart, good to have you on the show with us, man. What a pro. Where are you? What's that noise in the background? I'm currently in Soho Theatre. In Soho Theatre? This is a fun little bit where I was trying to get a little room, but I can't get one. And now, so I'm doing it in public. So, greetings. You mentioned Soho Theatre there. Is there a reason you're there right now? I mean, this podcast will come out today. This might be a good idea, a good opportunity to plug something you might have. Yeah, I'm doing a show here tonight. Um, now, uh, you can guess... <laughs> now, is this the show? Of, you can guess the sort of level of respect that I have here where I'm like, any chance we can jump into a room? No, absolutely no way. Ab- absolutely not. You're eight <laughs> hours early for your, for your show. Please leave the venue. <laughs> you're not coming in. All right, look, well, if you're happy to stay there, we're happy to do the show with you, uh, with you there. In fact, it's quite fun, isn't it, Gareth? Have someone sort of on site. This is, this is fun. Well, it's, it's like a real sort of dip behind the curtain. And uh, yeah, it reminds me of the last time I, I was uh, I was at Soho Theatre. was uh, recent in the summer. I saw that that really funny Tim Key. He's funny, isn't he? Ah, he's good. And he good. Yeah. He's a good egg and a good footballer. Yeah, yeah sold out show. Sold out show. Okay, well, don't remember. Is your in. show sold out? Yeah. Stu, <laughs> <laughs> how are you looking for numbers tonight, pal? <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not Tim Key numbers. Okay, let's leave it there. All right, well, we're not here to talk about Soho ticket numbers. We're not here even to talk about uh, comedy at all, in a lot of ways. Uh, we're here to talk about football. We had last week off, Gareth, didn't we? Because it was international break. And what a bit of a pointless uh, exercise that all was. We won't talk about it any more than that. But we're back. We're back this weekend. Premier League is back. And it feels like the landscape has changed so much in the last two weeks. The number of managerial ins and outs has all been kicking off. The one person we thought we'd go, Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, is still there. Everyone else around him has changed. Uh, what have you made about this, Gareth? What have you made of this this last 10 days in the Premier League? It's, I, I guess it's been interesting to watch from a headline point of view. Um, you know, Stephen Gerrard coming in is, is, is box office, as they like to say. It's, it's fun, especially when it looked like Frank Lampard was going to get a Norwich gig, so you get to make all the Lampard-Gerrard jokes. Sadly, that didn't happen. They just uh, decided to give Dean Smith the quickest second... Uh, Premier League team contract in history. Um, I do. I, I do assume that Norwich had an inkling of what was going on with Villa and sort of held fire and made that change at exact moment. And you can see why they brought in Dean Smith. He's someone who has successfully promoted a team from the Championship into the Premier League and has then kept them up for a couple of years. So I guess in this kind of fanciful forty-year rebuilding plan that Norwich have got, he, he's, he's the next part of it. But I, I think. I think I'm most intrigued to see how how Gerard does. Um, I think there's two, you know, two different schools of thought. One is look at the trophies he's won with Rangers. He's turned them around, and you know they were nowhere near Celtic when he came in, and now they're you know the dominant force in Scottish football. And then the other one um, says is that maybe he's still not tactically very informed or very mature, and he relies a lot on his backroom staff for for that element of stuff. So we will see. If you're not very good, you'll get found out quite quickly. 
Yeah, it's a brutal division, isn't it? Um, Stuart, Gareth mentioned some managers there, obviously Dean Smith, Stephen Gerrard, Eddie Howe is back in the league as well with, with Newcastle. Um, and your team, your both your teams, um, Spurs. Conte is still a brand new manager, really, isn't he? He's been in this division plenty of times before. We know who he is, we know what he's about, but he's still a new manager again. Who are you most excited about seeing of those four new managers? Who who do you think is the biggest wild card of the lot? The biggest wild card, I think, is absolutely Gerard. Like, what can Gerard do? Right, he's either going to be an absolutely huge smash hit, absolutely change the game at Villa, and then leave straight away to a bigger club, or he's going to be an absolute disaster and sort of getting Rangers back to where they were. Why? Why has it got? Why has it got to be? Why has it got to be? legend or just nothing why can't he be some, why can't he have a nice a nice couple of years with Villa finishing 8th and ninth, doing well why can't that it be that would be huge if he finished 8th and ninth. would it with this Villa squad yeah I think so okay I think they, they, they're absolutely in that Spurs when we um, sold Gareth and bought 11 to 20 players that's what they're trying to do, right? Is they're trying to replace one player and that takes time to bed in and they've done the exact same thing, which I think was foolish, which was fire the managers before they had a chance to figure out how to do that. And uh, Gerard's now in that situation where, yeah, he is ready. I think the thing with, with Gerard is that Rangers in Europe, obviously, was great. He really did well there. So that sort of bodes well, the sort of playing against bigger teams. But he said, he's, he said in the press conference, this is not a stepping stone. Well, why did you mention it? Yeah, well, I, I assume he's just... I, I assume... It, it's like having people over for dinner and saying, um, by the way, everyone, this isn't human meat. Well, why have you mentioned it? <laughs> well, it depends who you have. It depends if you've gone to Hannibal Lecter's house. <laughs> because it all depends on... You, you, if you're preempting what the first comment or the first one of the first few comments is going to be, you may as well tackle it head on and get it dealt with and get it swept under the carpet as quick as you can. Yeah, like Eddie Howe did. <laughs> like, like Eddie Howe did. I mean, look, if I'm looking at it, I don't support any of these teams. For me, Dean Smith's one is very much, right, Dean, take over us at Norwich. We're going to go down next year, come back and try and reconsolidate for the 50th time in the Premier League. Have a laugh. Have a good time. Have, have a Enjoy good time yourself. with your mates. Yeah. And, not, and you know, yellow it looks nice and yellow. Not that he has to wear the kit. That's uh, We know that now. <laughs> he should do that. He should. He should, he should do that. But he doesn't. But Dean Smith one, I think, is is an interesting appointment. Gerard for me, is the one that stands out, though. Because like you both said, he has done a great job at Rangers. I know he's mentioned it's not a stepping stone. And, all right, Stuart, I get what you're saying about that. But Villa is a very big club, and I think he appreciates that. I think he appreciates that they've taken a punt on him. And I think it could be a really, really good appointment. Uh, the Eddie Howe one, I don't have really anything to say. I feel like they didn't have that many options. And uh, I think Conte's a great signing for Spurs. Um, if you were, Gareth, if you were um, a Newcastle fan at the moment, uh, would you be confident about this Eddie Howe appointment? Or would you feel like I do, which is just, just lack of alternatives have, has led us to this? Definitely more towards, I, I think I'd be a little nonplussed um, as a, because, you know, obviously his last gig in the Premier League, he got a team relegated, having had a couple of very successful seasons, but he was with that team for a very long time before they got to the Premier League. If you're talking about, you know, systems, tactics and and building a style of play and moulding a club in your image, he's got four or five months to do that and keep them up. Um, I, I think as a, you know, as a non-Newcastle uh, fan, it's actually really disappointing because what you want them to do is to go boom and bring in Zidane or go for something absolutely ludicrous in a sort of we do not know what we're doing way. 
but all they've done is made a relatively sort of sensible appointment where you go, okay, well, if they go down, then that's not too big a concern for them. There isn't a financial issue for them. They can you know, bring them back up with Eddie Howe and they can you know, establish the club for a few years. It, it, it doesn't generate headlines. It's really disappointing. You want flash or, or disaster. Yeah, I wanted like Alan Kerbishley brought back. Well, yeah, this is it. So, so Stu, I was going to ask you. So, we know who the owners are at Newcastle, and we know that they are big into the whole sports washing. Is it not maybe a case that they brought in the sort of least controversial manager, the least controversial man that you could ever really imagine? Eddie Howe seems just seems like a decent guy, right? He just seems he's fresh faced, he's enthusiastic. He doesn't seem to really go in on referees as much as other managers. It just doesn't seem like much of a bastard. Yeah, if he came round to yours for like a barbecue or something like that, if he came round and spilt, if he spilt a drink or something in your kitchen, he'd immediately be sort of like wiping it up. But with kitchen towel, he wouldn't. He was hands and knees immediately yeah, yeah. with his own t-shirt. And that's and that's <laughs> and and I, I I do appreciate that, and I think he's a good manager. And, and I know Gareth, there you said that he took a team down, but he also. No, he got up a very small side and kept them up for a while. But I think part of the reason he's gone there is that he's just he's just such a decent seeming guy. Is that, is that unfair to say, Stu? No, I think absolutely. Once they couldn't get Emery, right, which I guess would have been a bit more of the, a blockbuster appointment, then they just went right. So we need someone who can pretend, who 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 looks nice, like feels nice. <laughs> and won't cause any sort of big controversies because the last thing we want at Newcastle right now is to be in the news for anything negative. We don't want a Mourinho figure, do we, who's going to you know, be causing havoc in press rooms. And question, like question the hires up, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, if I was a Newcastle fan, I wouldn't just be a bit nonplussed, Gareth. I'd be a bit worried about this because they're already clearly struggling to bring in high-profile names. Some of that might be attached to the the, the project that's going on at Newcastle with the Saudi owners, some of it is that it is quite hard to attract people to the northeast of England sometimes. You know, it's not as glamorous as other parts of the country. But with Eddie Howe in charge, I don't feel like he's someone who's going to be able to... He hasn't got that pull, has he? If we're talking about January transfer window, if you're a top-class player looking for a move, is Eddie Howe at Newcastle, even though they've got all this money, is that a draw? No, I mean, almost almost certainly not. Uh, you throw in the fact that the reason ultimately why Bournemouth went down was their disastrous player acquisition policy. Um, he was still fielding the core of the team that he brought up because everyone he brought in, mainly Liverpool's reserve slash youth team, were you know were disastrous for, for, for Bournemouth. So I'm guessing he's not going to be put in charge of player acquisitions. Um, but it's probably, you know, he's sold as a coach, but, you know, he didn't really coach any of those players up. I think if you're, if you're a Newcastle fan... You are optimistically telling yourself that a he can do a job and get the team playing better football, and they can stay up by the skin of your teeth. And then you're probably adding in the fact, and it doesn't matter if we go down, we'll win the championship by 800 points, and then we'll win the Premier League the following season because that's when we'll have signed Neymar. Um, but yeah, I'm sure when we get to when we get to April and they're you know in in the midst of a relegation fight, which is still very likely. I suspect that mood will change slightly. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, let's talk about their, their game this weekend. Uh, they're at home to Brentford. Brentford aside, who started so well, gained a lot of plaudits. A lot of people who hadn't really given them much of a chance suddenly changed their tune. Um, but the last few games, it seems to have fallen off a little bit. I know they lost at home to Leicester, lost to Burnley, then lost at home to Norwich last time out. Stu, do you see Brentford as a team that are going to be comfortably finishing 
sort of mid to 15th in the table? Or do you think they're in a relegation battle? I think they're going to be 15th and a bit lower, to be honest. I think they're, they're exciting, but they, they had a couple of eye-catching wins or performances, didn't they? And that sort of elevated everything for them. Whereas I think, you know, they are still a team, a championship team, really, by, by all accounts. No matter how good a championship team, they haven't made huge changes to to that squad. Um, and so, yeah, I think that will be absolute. That'll be above par. That'll be a birdie if they can finish seventeenth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they they've got to just be looking at staying up, haven't they? Here, Gareth. Um, but playing away at Newcastle, I think it's a good time to play Newcastle. Actually, I know there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm and positivity there at the moment, but this is a good chance to go and really poop the party the way they did it away at West Ham a few weeks ago that we saw yeah it's you know international break I I, did, I haven't counted how many Newcastle players have been away in the international break I'm guessing it's probably a few more than I expect so the the idea that you can get a team ready in that period is is a bit of a fallacy I mean you you only see your players for for a few days I know that the way this break was timed that a lot of players were back by Tuesday Wednesday which is a lot better than Thursday, sometimes Friday, if you're playing in, you know, South America or so forth. But it's a very short amount of time. Um, you know, one or two of the players, I think, will obviously know uh, know the manager, especially Callum Wilson, who is the key for them to you know to score goals and probably to keep them up. But it's you know, I I suspect that they'll be going well. A draw is not the worst result in the world, and I wonder if Brentford will be feeling the same, just to you know, just to steady the ship a little bit. Yeah, this could be a. I have a feeling this is going to be a bit of a shit off quite early on in the season. Just uh, it's a phrase I love. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like as, as much as I like Brentford, I, I just think that they've had a bit of a rude awakening these last few these last few games. Um, they're going to find it quite hard work, uh, but we'll see. Anyway, look, we've got to take a break, uh, and when we come back, we'll talk about some more key games coming up this weekend here on the Whistleblowers. If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back to the show. Uh, let's start, Stu. Let's start the second half with uh, Leicester against Chelsea. It's a lunchtime kickoff on Saturday. Um, for me, Chelsea are favourites for the league. Uh, first of all, do you agree? And secondly, do you see them taking in some? Uh, do, you take, do you see them taking three points off Leicester here at Leicester? I absolutely hate that less uh, that Chelsea are sort of. Uh, it is difficult. They are joint favourites for the league, aren't they? With who? I, with Man City. They can't really look beyond Man City. No Liverpool in there. No, they, they were, I was surprised actually here the other day that that Liverpool's home form has been so ropey recently and you see them playing they are obviously an incredible team but they do feel like the third best team at the moment 
Um, okay, which, so yeah, you've got Chelsea, uh, Man City, then, then, uh, then Liverpool. Yeah, a little drop off, and then a huge drop off to uh, to West Ham, I guess. Yeah, currently, yeah, I mean, absolutely. So you've got Chelsea. So you're rating Chelsea that highly, which must be difficult for a Spurs fan. It's horrible. It's it's mostly too short. Right. Yeah. Well, this is well, this is it. But, but no, it's not, it's not as tuchel, is it? It's it's an unbelievable squad that they've got there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But there was that was an unbelievable squad that was sort of very unpredictable for a while, and now it's sort of like this sort of regimented, sort of metronomic team that can sort of just grind out results. Yeah, I think that's fair. Gareth, Leicester have been hot and cold this season. They were fantastic against United. They've been poor in quite a few other games. Uh, Yuri Tielemans is out for at least a few weeks. Uh, how big a loss is he for them? Who are they going to replace him with? I mean, they've got a few in there that could do the job. But he's a player they can't really replace, isn't he? Yeah, he's he that he's the hardest one to replace because he does so much. He's you know we we like to talk about numbers now. He's a classic number eight. He, he's an all action midfielder, um, and seemingly you also can't replace the fact that every goal he scores is now a goal a month contender, <laughs> which is uh, which is quite tricky to fill in. Ndidi is still out, I think, which is another huge player. At that point, okay, you're missing your your engine room. They do seem to do very well at bringing in these sort of you know reserve central midfielders I, I don't know if that's something Sumari Sumari something that Rogers is just very good at identifying those players or you know again the, the club as a hold as well I mean, you know, we've spoken before about how good their transfer policy is they buy cheap and, and, and sell and, and replace incredibly well but I think I mean let us not forget that it was only you know six months ago that Leicester had an incredible FA Cup final win over Chelsea um, which I think was one of the most exciting games I can remember um, so they'll be, you know, that's something they'll they'll certainly be thinking about. Obviously, I, I, was it four days later they then lost to Chelsea in the league? Um, it was, you know, they lost. Yeah, to to relinquish their top four again. To relinquish their top four spot, and you know, I guess the issue for Leicester is it now feels that this is the furthest away they've been from from a Champions League spot for for a few years, and I mean that both in terms of where the table's at, and also just how the other teams above them have you know, brought players in and how they've strengthened. And, you know, it's it, it's so hard for a team like Leicester to to maintain a top four, top five position. You have to basically punch above your weight every year. And at some point it's going to catch up on you. And, you know, we, I think we can talk about Arsenal in a bit. And they're a club who, in theory, should have more resources and more ability to, you know, to finish above Leicester. And if teams like that start climbing above them, then... It, it's hard to see where, where Leicester goes. So games like this, I think, are really important for Leicester because they mean both a lot in terms of the club uh, and, and how it constantly performs. And also because, you know, if they really want to stay in those European spots, they do need to win some of these. Yeah, it used to be the case that a game like Chelsea would be a bit of a free hit for Leicester. And, and you're right, it absolutely isn't anymore. It's, it's these really fine margins now where... Leicester are expected to beat a certain number of teams, you know, the 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 bottom seven, let's say. Um, and the rest of them are completely up for grabs. And this is where you get that top four and that can become a top six or a top eight very quickly. But I can't, I just can't see much past Chelsea at the minute. And if they win this, they they to me consolidate their credentials as being proper, proper title contenders. And Leicester, if they lose this, can really fall into that part of the table amongst you know Palace and Everton and teams like that and it's hard to break away from that because it's such a slog this league Stu are you 
are you looking at Leicester as being a proper contender alongside you? Are you are you looking at Leicester as being your rivals this season? Yeah, so it's it's Man it's Man United, West Ham, Arsenal, Leicester, Spurs, right? That that's they're now fighting out for that fourth, fifth, sixth place places, right? And which one of those teams that you just mentioned are you most fearful of? Are Leicester in that conversation or not really? But what is so weird now is there is West Ham, right? West Ham just looks so well oiled and all you are hoping for is that they have that um, you know, sort of mid-season collapse that can happen sometimes with these teams that punch above their weight, that rely on like a key, like first eleven, and the, yeah, yeah. maybe they don't have the experience to deal with Europe and a league campaign at the same time. Is all of these things that you like these cliches that you're just hoping as a Spurs fan play a role in their downfall? But then at the other end, David Moyes seems like a good lad. The team seem like a great bunch of you know, players. And there's something quite exciting about seeing them trash into sort of the accepted elite. Yeah, yeah. Well, hang on a Definitely. I, Go on. I was going to say, I if Arsenal finish above Spurs, I've had 20 years of getting used to that. It doesn't really even raise an eyebrow anymore. But West Ham <laughs> finishing in a Champions League spot ahead of Spurs, I mean, not in private will even be close like it feels like the final insult it's like the last <laughs> knife to go in it's like even West Ham um, but that maybe you'll be fine my I've got, I've got you as top four I've got you with wow. content I think you'll finish top four um, okay let's move on we're running out of time pretty rapidly here Liverpool host Arsenal the late kickoff on Saturday you wanted to talk about Arsenal a second ago Gareth here's your chance yeah it's 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 going to be a fascinating uh, yardstick uh, uh, in in their development, yeah, they've gone from a club who, at the start of the season, it was alarm bells were ringing. It's like, is this time? Are they, they going to be gone? I think I even suggested that Arteta could be one of the first to go, and and suddenly everything looks a bit rosier. He's refashioning this team in his likeness a bit. You know, he's got so many young players in. You know, ML Smith Rowe is now the new coming star. You know, Bukayo Saka is almost the old the old pro. Um, it's amazing how how the media turn this around, and they they seem never heard him called Saka before. But go on, Saka. But uh, I, at least I got Pukayo right. Um, that can sometimes go horribly. <laughs> You're concentrating so much on that. I was, um, <laughs> but but yes, it's it, and it it, it it it's a real test because I think when you really look at how the season's gone, Arsenal have been beating the poorer sides. But they they struggled against against the better ones and your Spurses, you know, your Spurses, your Spurses, your Norwiches. Um, so this is you know since they've had this nice run of form, it's the first kind of real test of uh, of where they're at. Uh, Liverpool, yeah, but but Gareth, Gareth, you, you mentioned a minute ago that that it wasn't long ago you were saying Arteta could be gone and blah blah blah, and we and that wasn't unreasonable to say that. I, I mean, I, I completely agreed with you. And it's only been a handful of games since. I feel like Arsenal are one of those teams at the moment, for, for the last 18 months really, who have a, a good little run of three or four games and then a terrible run of three or four games. And we just see that on a cycle. And at the minute, once we're in the middle of it, it's hard to see anything other than, oh, Arsenal are great again. And I just think it's sort of nonsense. I think there's no consistency there. And while I agree with you about the likes of Smith Rowe, who does look fantastic, I feel like there is just a core... There is a core of players at the club who aren't really quite at it mentally. No. Who aren't really quite at it and psychologically playing for a big club and, and doing it week in, week out. And I'm still not sure Arteta's the guy. Stuart, am I being unfair there? No, I think there's something 
unusual about their midfield, right? Their, their spine that I can't quite understand. And like, obviously there's injuries there because you've got players like Partey who are great players but can never seemingly get fit. You've got a situation with Alba Mayang where, it, it, I don't know, it just seems to have gone slightly, right? He's not, he's not quite the player he was. And then, you know, players like Tierney and White and Gabriel have all sort of had these injury issues or, you know, illness issues, things like that, where it hasn't, they never quite seem to come together at the same point. And then without those sort of key players, I'm not sure, like, I couldn't tell you what their midfield is. Yeah, right. And that, that's tough for a team who wants to be challenging for a top four place. And I know I'm, you know, I'm singing from a team sheet that's got Harry Winks on the subs bench, but <laughs> there's still, you know, there's, there's something not quite right about Arsenal. And I delighted about that, obviously, but I think we should trust the process and hope that the process leads to <laughs> further disintegration. Yeah. Look, Arsenal are playing very well at the moment. And when I say what I said a minute ago, I'm only saying, it's just one of those things with them where they're just so transient in, in how they play. I, I just I just don't quite... I'm not quite on board yet. That could change if they have a good end to the season, well, if they have a good second half of the season and they finish fifth or sixth, you know, and, and play some good stuff doing it, then I'm happy to change my mind. But at the minute, I just feel like we're too quick to jump here to here. Uh, on top of that, if they were to beat Liverpool or get a result, a positive result of any sort on Saturday, I think that would be huge for them because I still think Liverpool are... I think they're as good as they were two seasons ago. Gareth, is that mental? No, I, I, I think that in the last month, their their best performances have have mirrored those. Um, I mean, obviously we've spoken enough. Well, maybe we haven't spoken enough about uh, about Salah, but he's you know he's just been absolutely incredible. And the return of Jordan Henderson after essentially missing all of last season appears to have had a really galvanising effect on them. Maybe he is actually a better player than I've given him credit for for, for for 10 years. But I suspect that, you know, they've still got more players to come in. You know, Fabinho's missed time and he's back. Naby Keita's coming back. Um, we get into the first time in, in basically a year and a half, two years, that they have a fully fit squad. I mean, they were pushed so hard last season where, you know, the defence they were pulling out was, was abysmal, was nowhere near, you know, sort of almost top half of the table standards. And with Van Dijk. And now they've got Canate on the bench. Now they've got Canate on the bench, who, you know, is is genuinely being pushed by you know Joel Matip and um, uh, and Joe Gomez. It's it's suddenly strength strength and depth, right? And that's really important because they need to compete on multiple fronts. The Champions League, I think, is as important to them as as the Premier League is. You know, that at this point, Liverpool's history of the, the the Champions League is probably even greater and more storied than. Then you know, as a title-winning team, where they've only done it once in a long time, so they're both really important. They can legitimately challenge on all fronts. So it's going to be fascinating how they cope with that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right, we uh, have got time to cover one more game. And as you're both Spurs fans, we'll do Tottenham at home to Leeds, shall we? Sunday, four o'clock. It's sort of a classic of the genre, isn't it? Spurs Leeds. I feel like I'm in the seventies again. I love it. I want a muddy pitch. I want a waist high challenge in the first minute, but I'm not going to get that. Instead, what I'm going to get is uh, a very disciplined Conte performance. I imagine, uh, against what was for a long time, an exciting Bielsa team, but seems to have, dare I say it, started to look a bit leggy recently. Um, Stu, are you feeling confident about this one? Well, no, obviously not. How many minutes is it without a shot on target? It's like 220. No, it's not 227. Is it? It's like, I don't know. It's it's a long, long time. Yeah. 
<laughs> in fact, I'm almost definite that it is exactly 227 where I go, is it 200? No, it is exactly that. That's too long. <laughs> yeah, don't you like, you have, like you don't know. <laughs> you have Harry Kane and Human Son in your team and you can't get a shot on target. Obviously, it worries you that you haven't scored or had a shot on target for so long. That's not that's not Conte. I mean, that's one game with Conte away at Everton. It happens sometimes. Are you worried, though, that you haven't seen more sort of positivity in their play even after just one game with Conte? No, no. I mean, Conte is it's extraordinary that he is the manager of Tottenham Hotspur. Like, that shouldn't be happening. And it's, it, you know, we're in a situation where we have a squad that are close to their peak age, sort of like the composition of it. They're all very much in that sort of right age range to be doing good stuff. Um, I actually sort of believe in the first 11. I think there is a lot of strength there. And to have Harry Kane, to have Hyungman Son there is, I think, a an extremely strong position to be in when you have a manager like Conte coming in. If you've got someone like Nuno, who, you know, best will in the world, lovely man, was not the right fit for Spurs. Yeah. But we knew that though. We knew that. We were all surprised when it happened. Um, Gareth, is there any, is there any manager you'd have preferred? Let's take Potch out of the equation. Is there any manager you'd have preferred to take over other than Conte? Because to me, he's, this is the first time Spurs have had a manager still at his peak and still regarded as one of the best in the world, in definitely in my lifetime. Oh, I mean, it, as you know, as Stuart said, it, it's ridiculous that he's Spurs manager. The only two genuinely I would have put ahead of him would be like Pep Guardiola and Jurgen Klopp. Um, really? That, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's, I mean, that's mental. There. I know. Um, and certainly in terms of who was available, that he, he was on a tier of his own. There was nowhere, you know, anywhere near actually available managers. I mean, and there's... Right now, there's probably not many better than him full stop in, in the world. And that's not as a, I would have told you that if he'd gone to you know, Real Madrid in the summer or Barcelona. This is not me looking through Spurs, Spurs lenses. Uh, the question is, can he pull Spurs up or Spurs drag him down? That, 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 that's the big question. Um, I think that it, the one thing I have noted already is he's now the fourth manager in two years to come out and say, Look, Tango Ndombele is a great player, but he needs to work really hard to get in this team. Like it's, it's almost like it's a a, a pre-read that the manager has to come out with. It's a mantra. It's a mantra. <laughs> um, but that was inevitable. You know, the, all the things that Conte wants from players are things that Ndombele has been criticised for. But I do, I do agree. With you. you know, there is a good starting eleven there, give or take a central defence, which seems to keep losing players to injury and suspension. And they can't get settled one. The fact that potentially he's going to play three centre backs when we barely have two who are any good is is an issue. But um we'll see. It it you know, we might have might get something out of the fullbacks who've been basically a disaster for for, for so such a long time. And I Leeds have not been good this year. This should be a strong win for Spurs. It should be, but God knows. All right, well, that's that's a, that's a definite home loss then. Right, uh, that's all we've got time for this week on the show. The noise you can hear, by the way, is uh, I think it's a stream of people trying to return their tickets for Stu Laws. Um, <laughs> Stu, tell us where you're playing again. You're, you're performing tonight and tomorrow where? At the Soho Theatre, 9.15pm. And I, it's, it's called Stu Laws is respect. All In, and it's a brilliant show. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right, Gareth. Gareth, anything to plug before we go? 
No, just go see Stu play. Oh, that's very kind. Oh, I, can I plug something, actually? Um, Spurs v Leeds premium seats are still available. You plugged your show three times. <laughs> £149. <laughs> Daniel Levy's uh, little puppet, media puppet. All right, look, that's all we've got time for. All right, see you later. Right, cheers, everyone. Bye. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.